0: the buckets brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sports books my name is Matt Moore I'm the senior NBA writer for the action network this is your central division best bets episode I'm joined by NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson we'll give you best bets on win totals divisions make and miss playoffs play-ins all sorts of stuff on today's show glad to have you with us want to let you know that you can find everything that we talk about in the award-winning action network app Download it right now if you haven't already. If you listen to the show a lot, but you haven't downloaded the app yet, take a second. Think about it. You're going to miss out on so much stuff. There's so much cool stuff in the app, not just for tracking your bets, but you get all of our live shows as well. You get all sorts of great content, so much cool stuff. You can track every single time that Brandon bets some exotic future that's going to wind up cashing. You can catch it in the Action Network app. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash theactionnetwork and check out our YouTube page, you can catch a video version of this show and all of our great podcasts, as well as our live shows, uh, like Green Dot Daily, Action Island, which is going to have some NBA spots this season, all that and more. Check it out on the YouTube page. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take a second, give us a five star review. It's not going it's not, it's not to take too much out of your day for all of the delicious futures Brandon's going to give you. Give you, give yourselves, give us a, a little bit of feedback and drop us a five star review. On today's show, we're going to break down the Central Division. So this is Milwaukee, Cleveland, the Indiana Pacers, the Chicago Bulls, and the Detroit Pistons. Brandon and I both have five best bets on this division, so get comfy. If you're listening to this on a commute, take the long way, and let's get into it. Brandon, what are your best bets for the Central Division?
1: All right, we got bets for every team. So these are in order of preference for me. My favorite is the Cleveland Cavaliers. We were on them last year. I'm on them again. I like them to win the division. Plus 275 at our sponsor BetMGM. That is a multi-unit bet for me. My favorite bet of the pod. I'll take the over 50 and a half as well on the Cavs. Obviously, I'm taking the under on the Bucks at 56 and a half to pair with those Cavs feelings. Pacers, give me the over thirty-eight and a half, though a little light because hopefully you listen in July. We got the over thirty-five and a half on that one already, but we'll talk about why we still like the Pacers. My Chicago Bulls to make the play in plus one twenty-five. And then I'll take the Pistons under twenty-eight and a half.
0: Okay. Uh I am on for this. My best bets are pretty much in lockstep with yours. So there's no way that this goes badly. We've already (laughs) talked about the Milwaukee Bucks and the under on them. Uh I have the over in Cavaliers as well. I have the over on the Chicago Bulls, not the playing tournament. I have a straight over bet on the Bulls. Uh and I have an over on the Indiana Pacers and an alt over on them as well that we'll talk about. Uh and I have the under on the detroit pistons are you so do you want to change anything right now after i've said i'm in lockstep like you just want to you want to just start (laughs) i I
1: want to change everything start start over the entire win totals podcast series i need i i need to do my entire process over again Um,
0: uh yeah should we do we, do we start
1: start with the box here
0: yeah, let's start with the Bucks. The Bucks are a good one. We've we've talked a lot about them, so I don't think we yeah. have to go too deep. If you want to listen to more about why we're on the Bucks under, we did a, a summer episode where it was one of the first bets that we made. Um, and then they made the Dame trade, and while I definitely like them more <laughs> after adding, you know, yep. Damian Lillard, uh, the number adjusted too much, and I still think that it's an over. If we look at the market on this number, uh, Brandon, a, a healthy respect in the betting markets for the Milwaukee Bucks they are currently sitting at an average of 54 and a half. Uh, my projections have them at 51.8. I bumped them up after the Dame trade. I do think it's worthy of a bump up because specifically we talked about the defense and I think you're you're going to talk about it. it it's it's a it's a healthy downgrade from Drew Holiday to Damian Lillard. There's a lot of ways that I think they'll be able to cover it. cover up for dame's defensive inefficiencies is really important to know how good Giannis and dame are going to be together like you know dame said uh in a quote i've never had a guy that could could do that and i made the joke on twitter and i said that that is play defense um and (laughs) look it's not just him though like chris middleton the list of dame's teammates after the first regular season game that he plays in, if he's healthy, knock on wood, for his entire career, this is how it's going to go. Giannis, LaMarcus Aldridge, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, CJ McCollum, and Like, that's, that's like the list, right? Is like, Chris Middleton is probably better. I think he's better than, than CJ McCollum with combined with his defense. I think Brooke Lopez is, you know, Brooke Lopez was runner-up for DPOI last year. There's a lot to like about this team. The number's just too high. We talked a lot about on, if you listen to the two on the previous episodes on uh on this podcast about the the 50s numbers. The 50 trends are really bad. Teams that have a win total of 50 or more, they tend to go under. That's just been the history of uh this this in since 2011 teams with a win total of over 50 have gone under at a clip of 42, 23 and one. So look, uh, defense is going to be as good. This team is going to whip ass. I think they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. I think the number's too high. I think 54 and a half, 55 wins is a lot and I'm willing to go ahead and bet that they won't get there.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, we we've done this team. uh, So I agree with, with all those points. Giannis comes into the season potentially hurt still we know that he wasn't able to play at FIBA so you don't love that obviously from your star player quietly he's he's missing games like he's only even like we talked about this with the MVP podcast like he's he's not really playing too much different games played than Joel Embiid who we slander year after year for his injured games missed and I, I think that's a thing that's a thing the regular season of course because that's what we're talking about here with win totals. The, this number is dropping already. When I did my final prep for this, I think a week ago, I, I had it at 56.5 at MGM. So I think you've already lost a little bit of that early steam momentum that you, we, we know. We know this is on the podcast we did after the game trade. We said, okay, grab the under. The number is up really high, and it's come back down a little bit. So I think if you haven't bet the 56.5 already, if you're looking at a 54, even see a 53.5, I think you've sort of missed the moment a little bit. And the correct way to fade them might actually be to to do a Cleveland bet instead, which we'll get to when we do the Cavs. For me, and I know this is more pronounced for me than it is for you, the Dame trade fundamentally changes the box profile for me. And like, obviously, you add Damian Lillard, you're going to change a little bit. But here's what it did. Like, you know, I'm all the offense and defensive ratings. Before that trade, just with traditional box. I had them... 11th offensively, 5th defensively. Post-trade with Damian Lillard, I have them 4th offensively, 14th defensively. Mm. Now, don't freak out on the 14th. It's basically like 10 to 20 is effectively the same. But I have them dropping, basically dropping the same amount defensively as I have them gaining offensively. Pretty close to that. So, from a regular season-only standpoint, that is, that doesn't really move the net rating for me. It doesn't really increase the win total for me, but this number moved up a few wins. I already liked the under anyways. And now I got a little more cushion on the bat. So Damian Lillard is before the last two years with all the injuries, top three offense. So I think initially when we reacted to this, I think it underrated just how good the offense has been. He has 125 O-rating or better his last three healthy seasons. He's really good. And him and and Giannis together. Whatever else goes out there, they're going to put up offense. Uh, I texted you a picture last night. My buddy went to the Memphis Grizzlies preseason game against the Bucs and sent me a picture. They got seats. Uh, his, his son uh, has autism. And so they got seats upgraded to right behind the bench. Good on the Milwaukee box. They, they gave him, got Jake Crowder's headband. He got the whole works. And he sent me a picture of the huddle. And the thing that my eyes saw in the huddle was not Giannis, not all the other players. My eyes locked in. I was like, what? Terry Stotts is wearing green in this photo. What is happening? Terry Stotts, former Damian Lillard head coach from all those like incredible offenses. That's not nothing to me. We don't really know what Adrian Griffin is as the coach on this team. You and I year after year have been overs on this team because of Coach Bud and what he does in regular season. And we're losing that. I have to like Milwaukee a little bit more with Terry slots in there to at least kind of add some veteran stability to the coaching staff. I think the offense will be really good. I know you're less worried than me about the defense. I just feel like losing drew holiday and Javon Carter as the point of attack. We've done the point of attack argument, but I think that that really matters a lot. We're going to have a lot more average ish defenders out there. Brooks getting older, Brooke and Giannis don't always stay quite healthy. Maybe Giannis just can unlock, uh, unleash his usual incredible defensive self more. He hasn't done that as much in recent years. Maybe doing less offensively will allow that. Um, So either way, the number is just really high. So I I like them. I like them better in the postseason than when we initially talked about them. But this is not a postseason pod. We're focusing on on win totals and regular season. So it's still a fade for me. How many negative defenders do you think there are on this team? I was careful to not say negative. I said average-ish. I I just think that there are... Giannis and Brooke obviously are very good defenders. I don't really love the rest of the defenders on the team unless I'm forgetting someone. Chris
0: is a good defender.
1: I think Chris is like a a positive-ish above average defender when he's in the context of Giannis and Brooke.
0: Jay Crowder's a plus. He's tough. He's physical.
1: Jay Crowder's good. Yeah, I'll give you that one.
0: Portis is not bad. Portis is not like... He's not going to anchor a defense, but he's not like... They don't get absolutely destroyed when Bobby's on the floor. He competes and yeah, he rebounds.
1: Like, like I said, I all of these guys I'm I'm putting as like around average. I just losing Holiday and Javon Carter. So losing 48 minutes effectively of ball pressure, point of attack, perimeter defense of a top, top defender. I think I, I just have to account for that mattering. So
0: on the other on the other side of this is that there was an article today saying that Malik Beasley may be their best perimeter defender, and I was like, yikes.
1: Oof. <laughs> yikes yeah i mean I, I think there's a lot of talk about uh marjan beauchamp being able mm-hmm. to be that i don't know yep. if he's ready to take a lot of minutes like he might have to i don't know who's gonna all play on this team but yeah i i do have i had concerns about the backup point guard we at least have campaign now so like that's a real point guard i don't know if that really resolved it but it's better than nothing i don't know who the starting two is on the team i didn't really know anyways I think the closing two is probably Pat Connaughton. I don't know. Who, who, who's the fifth starter on this team, do you think? I think it's going to be Pat Connaughton.
0: That's who I think it's going to be. Okay.
1: I mean, I hope so. I think that, that's, that seems like it makes a lot of sense to me. But, man, the, I, um, the bench is really thin. What's your projected floor for them? Uh, I have Milwaukee at 47 to 53 wins. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's a, yeah, I, I believe that's the exact number I had for Denver as well. It's basically we, a, yeah, you're good. You'll be fine. You'll, you'll get healthy and get to the playoffs.
0: Would you agree with me that this is probably not a team you want to bet on the floor? Like, I don't think you want to bet against this team in terms of like, this could go badly. Like we've, we took, like, you've, you've got to bet on Suns play in tournament, right? Like we don't want to go that route with Milwaukee. Correct. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm not going that route. Also, I have a lot more distance between the top of the East and the middle section of the East than the West where I have it a little more clustered, like. I have my top East team separating a little bit more. So that's part of it. I think if you are betting a, a Bucks fade, like an outright fade, a play in or worse, you are straight up betting on Giannis' injury. That's it. The only way that they're like Giannis playing 65 games protects them from everything. So unless you think Giannis straight up misses a huge chunk of time, I, I don't I, like he alone is the floor that protects them from, from falling out too badly, in my opinion.
0: Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, let's uh, move to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are our darling. I think once again, we're we're very high on this squad. Um, in the regular in, season, in the regular <laughs> season, projected number in the market fifty point one. Uh, I have them at fifty three point eight. I have them at fifty four wins. So I love this team. Yeah, I, do I bet their division. <laughs> I don't. I don't love the division as much as I did prior to the to the Dame trade obviously, right? Like it's not a great that I don't love the idea of like, I have a bet against Giannis and Dame winning the division. Don't (laughs) don't feel great about that. Even if it's like, yeah, but you get a better number now. Still don't like it. Like I just, I wish that I didn't have that bet on the ledger. Now
1: Um, I I was going to say, I like it better because I got the better number, but that's typical. Brandon is, is wanting the longer payout at at the shorter odds that I I didn't really move the needle on Milwaukee and I still like Cleveland and I'm getting a better number now. So I have to like the, the division number better. So,
0: uh, I've got them projected at 54. What do you have for them for offense and defense?
1: Yeah, I have them about 54 as well. I have 50 to 58 wins. So, 54 is right in the middle for me. This is Memphis East to me, although Memphis is East, whatever. Memphis is in the West, so they don't count. I have the Cleveland Cavaliers, 12th on offense, second on defense. I believe... I had Memphis 14th on offense, first on defense. So it's effectively a mirror image in a lot of the similar case. And that's why these are teams that I keep backing year after year because you know I love my defense in the regular season. So it's going to be a good defense. We'll see about the playoffs. We've done the playoff thing. This is not the playoffs. In the regular season, if you've got Jared Allen and Evan Mobley out there, you're going to be a really good defense. And I actually feel like this team should probably be better than it was a year ago. Two years in a row now, we've seen this team for three-fourths of the year before things go wild at the end of the year, be number one in net rating, number one in expected wins in the conference. Like They are, by a lot of the underlying metrics, a juggernaut. Now, they're not a juggernaut because J.B. Bickerstaff still gets to have his grimy little fingers over everything, and that counts in the regular season too, but they were the number one defense last year. They, uh, I think, are probably going to improve their 3% luck, so I think that they could even get a little better there. I don't really love the depth, but I did kind of like the offseason generally. They take about 4,000 minutes of Rubio, Osman, Stevens, and Love and replace that with Max Struess and George Niang, who I don't love, but I do think those guys fit pretty well. They add some shooting, uh, help on offense without really, I think, hurting the defense too much. So a little more spacing, that should be good for, for uh, Donovan Mitchell in particular. It's just a good quality team. I think they're going to show up night after night. All the most important guys on this team are still on the upswing in their career, right? Like Garland should be better. You talk about development, and am I projecting it for young guys? Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen should all be as good as they were or better this year. I just think there's a lot to like about the team. So over 50 and a half for me, they were under by a half a win the first two Bickerstaff years. They've been way over since. 22 wins over the last two years combined. So I like that. Um, You asked my win range on Milwaukee. I had 47 to 53. I have Cleveland 50 to 58. So Cleveland is my outright favorite in the division by not a tiny margin. Um, so I have the Cavs ahead by three or four wins. I have them over 50% to win the division. I'm getting plus 275. I know you are more bullish on the box. So you would make that gap certainly smaller than I would. My question for you on these bets, I've got the over, I've got the division. The other bet that I did with Memphis is I did the one seed and I did the most wins bet. I don't know if I need that here because I got to deal with Boston too. And I don't know if I want to deal with Boston and I got to deal with Memphis if I'm doing the most wins thing. And the number is not as good here. Most wins I see is 20 to one at a 50 to one on Memphis. So I think I'm going to probably skip that one unless you talk me into it. I'm not going to
0: talk you into it. Uh, This is where I'm going to mess up all your pretty numbers with some of the NBA political drama that you love so much that messes with your very clean and (laughs) uh, uh, but uh, the the game game
1: game. was played on paper and only by numbers. Um, it's not just about the
0: games. It's about the stuff underlying. So look, I am of the opinion that a Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs make a run that he could stay, but the clock's short here. Okay. He's going to be a free agent and there's still like Brian Windhorst for ESPN is out on a ledge, basically saying like, there's no way that he stays in Cleveland. If that's the case, Brandon, there is a significant chance he gets moved to the deadline. If if this team does not go the way that we think it does, and even if it does, but it's like they're clearly not going to win the title, Mitchell could get traded mid-season. And I would assume you would agree with me, the bet's probably dead then. Would you agree?
1: Which bet? Do you mean everything on Cleveland? The over, the division, the wins, all of it? At least, at least your win percentage on even the over is dead
0: or is is lower. I think number yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, certainly
1: everything is certainly everything is significantly lower. I would be very concerned for this team's offense without Donovan Mitchell. He's really important to their offense.
0: Okay. Um, then there's the Jared Allen stuff. I don't agree with it. I think Jared Allen and Evan Mobley's fine. I actually don't like the idea of playing Evan Mobley at five yet. I don't think he's there physically. I don't think you want to play Evan Mobley at five right now. I think that's a bad idea, but they were looking at options for trading Jared Allen over the summer. They at least entertain those ideas. And again, if things go a little like there's all these ways we can get there, right? Like, Oh, if they start slow, but they can still pick it up and then have a really good season. When you have the kind of trade chatter that we do, that makes me nervous because there is absolutely a possibility here that they move on from Jared Allen. And if they trade Jared Allen and don't get a premier wing back, then I don't know what the upgrade is. Like, I don't know what that upgrade looks like. That one's more possible that you can wind up with a team that you personally would like better. You're higher on point of attack defense than I am. You're, I would imagine you're probably lower on teams that run two bigs offensively. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I I certainly am looking long term at Cleveland trading Allen and moving Mobley to the five like that's I I agree with you. I don't know if Mobley is ready for that. He's clearly not. If you watch the playoffs last year, which we did, but I think long term that is the move for them. But yeah, short term, I'd worry about their defense without Allen to protect him. And I don't know. Like, look, you're not going to Allen's a fine center. I believe he made a did he did he make all star a couple years ago? Yes, I think he shouldn't have, but I think he did. Yes. He He's not an all-star center. He's like, he's like a, he's, he's, I, I would, how would you put Jared Allen versus Dandre Ayton as far as like a, a trade piece? Who should get more in a trade? Jared Allen right now. Okay. I, I would put them relatively similar. I think I'm with you, but I'd make them maybe like the eighth to 12th best center somewhere in that range off the top of my head, like a slightly above average center. You're not getting a like lockdown perimeter defender or a really good wing for a center like that. You're just not. That's not how those players are valued. So well,
0: well, well. If if it's a wing on a on a team that doesn't want to pay that wing,
1: sure. Well, that and changes that, the and equation.
0: That wing plays in Canada, and <laughs> those teams have already had conversations. Uh, wait,
1: hold on, hold on. I believe that uh, Masai just hung up the phone on you again mid trade talks.
0: No, it's not that. It's that he's come back and said, "Yeah, I think we can do this deal. All I need is Jared <laughs> Allen uh, and Darius Garland for OG and Anobi, and we're good." That's that's how that would go. So, but um, I mean, I, I that's so that's kind of my message here is that Brand and I bet this because we know how good the Cavs are, and the Cavs, if they don't mess with it, are going to be a really good team. They should be a really good team, and this number is soft against how good they should be. Yeah. But my caution for you as a listener is you need to be aware of the risks involved here, that there are serious things that can mess with the chemistry composition of this team. And if those things go sideways, um, they, they go sideways in a hurry. Like the the wheels could fall off of this team based off of if Mitchell makes it clear, like, again, oftentimes these trade requests are not based off of like, how the team's playing? It's not about that. It's it's a feeling thing. And so if Mitchell's like, "Hey, I just want you guys to know, I'm not going to resign. I'm going to probably leave in free agency." um If he says that to them, they are under obligation to move him. You know, if 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 it starts out early and their defense, and
1: you you but- mean obligation to themselves? You don't mean yeah. obligation to him. Like they right. got to get something for that dude. Yes,
0: exactly. You got to move him then. So um I would just say that. Do, please understand that relative to the, anyone can get traded in the NBA at any time, but relative to even other teams, I think there's a higher risk category here for Cleveland.
1: Yeah, I think that that's fair. Uh, I, I would say given the way that you and I are viewing the team, I'm clearly a little bit higher on Cleveland and definitely lower on Milwaukee comparatively. So for me, I think I still feel pretty good about about hitting the division bet um, and Feeling good about like uh, well, I mean again anything can happen the trade could happen before this podcast release releases if there is a trade but I would suspect that if something was to happen it comes closer to the deadline so at that point if I'm right I'm probably already right so far about Cleveland and can have a chance to I uh, I think do I think we agree much as we do like Indiana and even the Bulls to an extent like this is a two team division race those teams have some separation. I don't need the one two finish bet here because I'm seeing a plus three hundred. So that like the difference of a quarter is not worth it compared to just the division. But I think though, if I get the plus two seventy-five in the division and I'm right through January, then I think I'm gonna at least have a position where I can get out at some point, get Milwaukee and still still be fine. So I like it. I think with your position being a little lighter on Cleveland, a little heavier on on Milwaukee. That makes more sense to be cautious there.
0: The Indiana Pacers. Last year's darling for the Action Network group. I was not included uh, in that. I didn't, the over was an easy, easy over bet for those that bet it. Uh, I stayed away. I wanted to see it. I am, I don't feel I am too late on them because I think that there is an underrating in the market still. The market number on this, Brandon, is 38.7. That's the average. There's 38 and a half, a 39 and a 39 and a half in the market. Um, I have this team projected at 44.4 4 wins. I think they breeze <laughs> over this number. I think this is a playoff team. I have bet them to make the playoffs. I think this is going to be a top five offense. I think it's going to be probably it, using your kind of rubric. If I was wow. to guesstimate it, I would do... Uh, a pretty wide range defensively, but probably somewhere between 18 and 25 It's probably the seven hmm. win range that I would probably put them in for or seven team win that I would put them in for defensive rating. I just think this offense is going to absolutely cook. Uh, they have tailor made this offense to a play style, which is really fascinating that this is Rick Carlisle that Rick Carlisle of all people <laughs> is like really embraced like, no, we're going to play fast. We're going to play fast. We're going to play all offense. Tyrese Halliburton was a darling again of Action Network, like lots of bets on him for MIP last year, all these types of things. Um, I think that this is the year that he makes the real league. Now, you he, he could say like, but he was an all-star last year, Matt. That's true. That's true. He was an all-star. I legitimately think we're going to be talking about him as like a top 10 player. Like people do not hmm. understand how good Tyrese Halliburton is. He would have led the league in assists probably if he'd stayed healthy. A lot of what happened last year is the Pacers were actually competitive and on track for a playoff spot he got hurt and they went to pieces and then he came back and everyone else was like resting and they decided to pivot to the draft and that's fine. But like with Halliburton, they were winning games and they added Bruce Brown, which I think is a big get for them. They added Obi Toppin, whose plus minus numbers in New York were great and he fits perfectly with this roster. Like it just, The 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 amount of, of full court transition lobs that Halliburton and Toppin <laughs> are going to connect on is going to be ridiculous. Benedict Matherin in year two. Here's another guy that people don't realize is good. Aaron Neesmith, really good player. Like Aaron Neesmith is a really good player. Andrew Nemhart, really good player. Uh, Jalen Smith shows a lot of potential. Jordan Awara, I actually like. He's like at the, at the end of this thing. Jarrus Walker had 19 in his first uh, preseason game, had a very bad second game. We won't talk about that. He'll give them something. They still have my, have miles Turner to be able to provide some defensive and they've got Bruce Brown on the perimeter. I I love everything about this roster construct. I don't know if this team is going to be great, but I think they're going to be good.
1: Yeah. We, we are team pacers. I think this is probably mine and yours. Like this is our team this year. This is the team we've been on since I think the very first podcast we did starting to turn the page to the new season I love how Bruce Brown and Jarius Walker fit into the mix. Uh, I don't think you mentioned Isaiah Jackson. I, I like him a lot. He came around last year toward the end of the season. I think that he's important. The one thing I do have a concern about this team is our guy, Miles Turner doesn't like to stay healthy. Yeah. So I, I do. He's really, really important to them defensively because they just don't have a lot else there. And I do like Isaiah Jackson, but I like him better as like a 15 minutes backup to Miles Turner than the guy suddenly. So I ended up slightly lower than you offensively and a little higher defensively. I think, uh, I have the Pacers 12th on offense, 19th on defense. I don't know if I can get there in top five. I think if you, where you're at on them, I think even though we just did this on the last podcast, I think actually these are your, this year's Sacramento Kings. If you have them a top five offense and like 20th ish defensively, like you said, um, Maybe this is the profile, not the Hornets, as we talked about. Maybe they both are. They both can do it. But uh, we talked about Rick Carlisle in Coach of the Year. You didn't like that one as much. I like. I love Rick Carlisle, and you- I know you're not saying you don't like Rick Carlisle. To me, he's a top three. I think NBA coach, as he's long really as he's great. not like grouching on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. He he he's he's great. He's created all the stuff. Pacers really didn't lose much here. They. They lost Duarte, who kind of wasn't doing much for them. They lost O'Shea Brissett. That's about it. We added a lot of stuff here. You mentioned the Halliburton with and without. They were 28-28 with Halliburton last year. They were 7-19 without him. So they're a 500 team, and they added defense. Jarius Walker, Bruce Brown. They added role players. They're going to get development. I don't know if I'm quite as high on Halliburton's like I don't know if I see him as a top 10 guy I was gonna ask you how you'd see him compared to like a peak Chris Paul because I think that's the sort of spot you're putting like he's not gonna be a leading scorer so normally you need to be like an engine scoring wise to be a top 10 player in the NBA Chris Paul did it without being that like a high high engine but I don't know I I think I'm probably more like the 10 to 20 range on Halliburton nonetheless I think he's very good. I think this team will be very good. And yeah, we, the only reason that I'm not all in on this particular bet as like the best on the podcast is, as I mentioned the top, we did Pacers over 35 and a half in July. So I have three units on that already. 38 and a half shows you how much money has been coming in. Like three wins, to move three wins is not a small number. Like that's significant. The one number that only has adjusted correctly if you're not quite as high on the Pacers, but you like them overall, the the seating over under you can get the under nine and a half seed at minus one thirty. I don't, I really don't know what the world is where they finish ten seed or lower. I don't really know why it's nine and a half, not ten and a half. That's kind of weird to me. Like just let them make the play in basically, um, at least the play in. I guess the world is Halliburton and Turner get injured again, and then we kind of get a repeat of last year, but. I like the team. I think they're improved from last year. We basically don't even have to bet on them being better than last year. We basically just had to bet them being what they were last year, but a little healthier, and I think they're better. So we love the Pacers. We are a Pacers podcast this year.
0: Your Chicago Bulls. Rep, rep the shirt. Rep the sweatshirt.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I, I was I was uh, trying to think of like the version of the Timberwolves. Ooh! and I just froze cuz I don't know what sound bulls make they trampling noise
0: they, they snore but please don't do that um you can make the the sound <laughs> of the, the the intro music from the famous video oh, yeah, da. uh the chicago bulls with a market expectation the average is a pitiful 37.6 for a team with this kind of salary load uh and expectations on it 37 and a half uh I have them forty three point seven. I think this is a forty four win team. I liked them last year. My numbers had them pretty high. I did not give them like some sort of like. I'm I'm not bucking what the numbers told me. This one is really pretty much a straight. Uh, this is a numbers play for me. Is that my numbers have them? I I did not upgrade them at all. None. No internal improvement. Nothing for Javon Carter. Nothing. I just kept them flat. They're one point better than an average team on on neutral court. That's what I have them. At. That's what the, the numbers had them at last season. That's where I have them this season. Um, They want to win. They want to win. And sure do. <laughs> they were they were decent to good two years ago. They fell off last year. This was a top. This is a the sixth best defensive team in the league last season which again, Billy Donovan's a warlock. People do not understand how impressive it is that he got this roster, this roster to be sixth in defense. Uh, I like the preseason vibes, by the way. This is is definitely a play that I like more after seeing him in preseason. Kobe White looks like he is actually leveled up, that he's starting to come into his own. I've been low on Kobe White since his rookie season. Mm -hmm. He looks like he is genuinely, like the game has slowed down for him. He looks more like a point guard than he ever has because he's in competition for that starting spot. Uh, at point guard and Kobe looks genuinely like he has made the kind of strides that you want to see. I'm never going to give up. on I would assume new. He's just a guy I like uh, Alex Caruso is one of the, is maybe the best perimeter defender. If not one of uh, he's one of, if not the best perimeter defender in the league, uh, Vooch is good for his production every night. I'm hoping for a bounce back from Levine. There's a trade I'm going to throw at you in a second that I suggested on another podcast um, mm-hmm. that I'm going to mention as, as like what I wish would happen for this team. They are also, by the way, notably shooting more threes in preseason. They look way more like a modern offense, which is extremely notable because this team absolutely needs a math bump. So all signs to me are positive. It's a good roster. It's a good coach. It's a I I just I like the spot a lot for them. The number is pitifully low at 37 and a half. I'll take the over.
1: Yeah, I think the number is the really odd thing here. The thing that sticks out to me is per Chicago rules, they're basically just running it back. Like, this is what the Bulls do, is just run it back again. just go for the play in again. But last year, the win total was 41.5. The year before, 42.5. We got the same team, and now we get 37.5? Like, why is it four or five wins lower? It makes no sense to me. It's pretty much just the same thing again. At Lonzo, we know, is out, but Lonzo basically hasn't been part of what they're doing since that Hot stretch to start the year two years ago. Anyway, we've got this team that we know what it is. They we basically have a season and a half of 500 ball. Like that's what they are. That's what they were that Lonzo season once he was out. It's what they've been ever since. I think that the defense probably comes down a little bit from last year, but I don't know. Maybe Donovan like to to get the best defense of of their career out of Vucevic. Like think about the coaches that he's played for before. Not bad defensive coaches out of DeRozan. Played for Pop, so you know that's pretty good. Like for him to get the best defense out of these guys is wild. They are smashing and rebounding, uh, which is part of defense because you end a possession, and that's a little bit more sustainable. So I like that. I just think it's a an extremely five hundred team. um I am not going to take the over here. I'm going to play the play in odds instead, plus one twenty five, just because of how I kind of stack up the rest of the East. I have a five. Five teams clearly ahead, and then a drop off, and then like a six to ten tier. And I just to me, the Bulls, like you asked me about my win ranges for teams. Listen to how small my win range is for this team. I have them between thirty-eight to forty-two wins. I think it's my my tiniest, narrowest win range because I don't really see a ceiling. I don't know if they even do at this point. I never did with this version of the team, but I also don't really see a terrible floor. Like they're going to try. They want to make the play in at least. I just think they're going to end up in that range. So I, I if I have a top five and then the next group of five, there are a lot more reasons for me to think, oh, in that next group of five, Orlando put it all together or Charlotte or Atlanta was better than I thought or Miami. Like I can buy the ceilings of any of the other versions. So I like the play in. What I really want, in typical Brandon fashion, but I don't, I don't know if I've seen this at a book. If you see it, you can let me know in NFL, you can bet straight division forecasts, like not just one, two, one, two, three, four. I want one through five in this division. I want Cleveland, Milwaukee, cause that's the top two we talked about Detroit, the bottom. And I clearly like Indiana more than Chicago. I think it's a little bit closer for you, maybe, but mm-hmm. you're higher in Indiana than me. Like to me, this is a clear one, two, three, four, five division order. I, I want the whole thing. I want odds on that, but I haven't seen that anywhere. You can bet Chicago to be fourth in the division. So for me, that's basically lose the head-to-head to Indiana, be ahead of Detroit. So that's pigeonholing that. That's a plus 130. What do you think about the fourth in division bet? Your face says, I have never in my life thought about a fourth in division bet. Why are you so crazy? <laughs>
0: No, like, I get it because I was looking at some uh, some random ones yesterday. Like, I look at those pretty consistently. I think I think it's probably a good bet. I don't think I want it because I believe more in the variance than you do. Uh, Like, I just believe that it's like, look, if if the Bulls win a bunch of three point games and the Pacers lose a bunch of three point games, guess what? Sure. The, The Bulls finish with 42 wins and the Pacers finish with 39. And like, that wouldn't that would right. shock you. And there's too many paths to that. And there's also like a lot of uncertainty and also just like, it's very clear to everybody. This is the last year for this bulls core, no matter what oh, so they're just going to it one more run. I don't <laughs> the bottom, the floors for those teams is low. So yeah,
1: that's, that's fair. That's fair. If, if things go poorly early and you know, it's the last year, like, you know, it's the last year, then you can get the fire sale in a hurry. And like Zach Levine was still not a nice trade. Demar can still get like a first round pick at least from like like contenders will want Demar on their team. I, I do worry a little bit. I think Vooch is at an age where he had a great year last year, but I could see him just like really falling off a cliff and that hurting the team. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think given the fourth in division at plus one thirty or playing at plus one twenty five, so same odds bet playing gives you so many more outcomes. You can finish the seven, eight, nine, ten seed versus this very narrow division finish thing where you've got to not have Detroit be accidentally good or Chicago totally bottom out or whatever. So I think given the other option, I definitely like playing better. Um, one more. Uh, I'll prefer that to the over that you're taking, but I think we're in a similar spot. One question for you. Okay.
0: This is, this is a... Uh,
1: the, the trade idea?
0: Yeah, this is perspective. It is not based on reporting. Okay. Two scenarios. DeMar DeRozan for James Harden. Zach Levine for James Harden do either of hmm. those fundamentally change you to an under on Chicago
1: um no to an under that's an interesting way of framing it because my thought as you were asking was oh well then I guess Chicago maybe is above the play-in race so I guess I went the other way on it like I think James Harden is quite underrated at this point of his career. He is. Like, as we're recording these, ESPN Rank just came out today and has James Harden, like, 43rd or some absurd number. Like, Harden was an all-star last year. He didn't make it, but he absolutely should have. He so should have that I didn't even check to see if he made it because I was so it was so obvious that he would be. Like, he's not MVP James Harden anymore, but we, we can live in a world where you're not a top three player anymore, but also not the 50th best player. And that that's the world we're in with James. James Harden is a lot better than Zach Levine. And he's a lot better than DeMar DeRozan by like by a margin. If he showed up on the team, like we, we joke about my bulls. I do not like James Harden. I don't like watching him. I I would like kind of be optimistic about my bulls. Like I, I think that that's, if James Harden replaces one of those two guys, I think that that's probably a team that I wouldn't want my playing in bat anymore on because I think that they'd be a top six seed after that. Like, I think that that's a genuinely quality team in the East. Uh,
0: I will say that, again, not reporting. I wouldn't rule it out because it makes the most sense to me that, by the way, DeMar DeRozan is a $28 million expiring contract. He is able to be traded one for one for James Harden, who is also a big expiring contract. It like it makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying, people, yeah.
1: That, and, and, and on the other end of things, DeRozan with Embiid or Levine with Embiid both make a ton of sense on those teams, too. So, yeah,
0: the Detroit basketball Pistons who have in the market a win projection, the average in the market is 28 and a half. Um, I have them projected for 27. I think that if you're in this range, you're likely to go ahead and move the other direction. Brandon's mm-hmm. talked a lot about this, about the possibility of teams heading in the other direction for various things in, in terms of going for the for the draft positioning, and that's I think important to look at. Um, it, for me, it's pretty simple. You know, Monte Morris helps. Bogdanovich is good. This team's offense sucks. Like <laughs> so bad. <laughs> there's, I just don't know how there's any way that they're gonna be able to get out of the teens. And if you're a bottom ten offensive team, guess what? You tend to go under. Like it's just kind of a fact of life that if you're that bad at one of the sides of basketball, and and it's kind of an important one, putting the ball in the hoop. As much as we talk about defense on this show, it is kind of important for you to be able to actually score to some degree. Teams, by the way, that are uh, bottom ten in defensive rank at the end of the season have Defense gone in, or offense. In, I'm sorry, in offense at the end of the season, bottom 10 in offense uh, have gone significantly towards the under over the last 11 years. That's been a pr- pretty consistent trend. Um, if you are a bottom 10 offense, you have gone 53 and 17. To the under. (laughs) That's 76%. Effectively, what I'm telling you is if you know a team is going to be a bottom 10 offense, if you're just like, I can't see them getting to 19 or 20, even this is 21 and up. Then you should bet the under on them because those teams go under, under, under. I think that there's no way that this team gets out of there. I think Cade's going to be a lot better. I think this team's going to be a lot better, but this is a big jump for them. And this is 28 and a half. I don't want them anywhere near 30. I think this team's still in the 20s. I think by the end of the year, we'll probably be talking about like, hey, next year. But last year, there was ridiculous optimism for this team. And they wouldn't have hit it, even if Cade had been healthy. There's still still Killian Hayes talk. We're still talking about Killian Hayes.
1: It's an under for me. Yeah, bottom five offense, three years in a row, maybe more than that. I just only am tracking the last three years, but it feels like it's been a minute. Um, you know how I am with the young ball handlers. That's all we've got on this team is a lot of young ball handlers. Um, Jaden Ivey is a guy that you can only tell so much from summer league, but both you and I saw him at summer and we're like, yeesh, I'm not sure you're uh I'm not sure you're on the development curve. That like Jaden Ivey is a hundred percent A dude that should have played like a half a game at Summer League and been like, all right, thanks for coming down, Jaden. You can watch from the bench now. You are too good for Summer League. He did not look like that. And especially like with his pop, his athleticism, I'm worried about his development at this point. I do think that Kate looks great. So that makes, does give me some slight hesitation here, but he's got a lot of bad offense to to drag up. So uh, yeah, I, I have the Pistons at 27th offensively which sounds perhaps kind to where you have them I think you might disagree with this part I have them last on defense I didn't even really know why I'm not really sure why I guess part of it is on offense I really don't like you if you have a lot of young handlers defense for me is if you got a lot of young bigs and I I just I don't love the big men on this team Jalen Duran I do like but I don't know that he's ready defensively Isaiah Stewart, I really don't like as a player. We know my thoughts on James Wiseman. Marvin Bagley's been terrible. Like They just have, I don't know. I don't see a lot there. Monty Williams really only has had the one great defense when he had McHale and and younger CP and Crowder and everything. So I don't know that he necessarily helps Dwayne Casey. He's a good defensive coach. So if anything, that seems like perhaps a downgrade to me. The other thing with offense is I think there's a very, very high chance, speculative on my end, but just looking at the way the books line up, Bojan Bogdanovic is the best offensive player on the team right now Till Cade overtakes him. I don't think Bojan's on the team after the trade deadline. Like he is one of the most obvious tradable pieces at the deadline. And the way he stays is if the Pistons are like competitive and actually want to go for something, but this bet taking the under 28 and a half is clearly a bet that they are not and Boyan is a good player that a lot of teams would lo- would want and want his shooting want his offense so i think you'd be a very clear good trade asset that gets them like like a genuinely nice return um so uh, alec burks you're, even to an extent i think burks and Boyan. I, I know i do the thing where i trade the guys the ahead of time. Is that-
0: you're doing the thing where what? you're like well clearly they're gonna do this because this is a logical move and like they're all like Troy Weaver's on record about Bogdanovich talking about how much he's just like, no, we feel like we need to have some veterans along for
1: the young, like, listen, I'm doing doing the thing which, by the way, may I add last year on our darling Cleveland Cavaliers, I did the thing on a trade that I thought might happen. And then we got like an eight win CLV when they landed Donovan Mitchell. So I'm going to keep doing my thing and projecting where I think teams are going because sometimes it works out my direction. This is not a bet on... They will trade Bojan. It's a bet on. I don't like them anyways. Yeah, and if an they do trade Bojan. Bojan, it only makes it worse. They are um, um, you know, I'm with, not gonna,
0: uh, By the way, you you have
1: to stop. I, I'm sorry.
0: You do not get the victory lot the the, the, the Donna. You just do stop that. Stop that. Stop that.
1: I am and will. I literally have in my notes from last offseason that they had the perfect setup to trade for a top wing or guard player to build the team. So I'm I'm taking credit for the the path that I saw. With the Wizards, when we talked about them, that was an under 24 and a half. That number was low enough where I looked and said, okay, how many teams go under that? So I did the same here 28 and a half. In the last six years, we have, uh, and again, going by pace here, so not perfect because we had some shortened seasons. How many teams won 28 games or less? Four, six, six, seven, four, and eight. So it's yeah. about six teams a year. So under 20 and a half is a bet on will Detroit basketball be a bottom six team? Again, that's a bet that I'd like to make. When I have you bottom five offense and defense, that's a bet I want to make. Detroit is under four straight seasons. I think it's five. So I will lock in my Pistons under 28 and a half. Trends are kind of messy here. Um, If you're between 25 and 30,
0: which is kind of a market delineation between like, hey, you're bad, but you're trying versus like you're going to be bad and you're going to tank. Uh, 25 and 30 is 54% to the over last 11 years. I don't think it's a reason not to, to play this. Like I said, I bet it. Yeah, Your defensive thing, I think you're right, man. Actually, like, look, they were third, they were third worst defense last year. Um, you know who their best defensive player in EPM was? Yes.
1: In EPM? In defensive, um, in defensive EPM. Killian no.
0: Hayes. No. The currently unsigned Hamadou Diallo, who was... Oh, yeah, Diallo's a good defender. 99th percentile. Someone yeah. please go get Hamadou Diallo. He's good. Well, Stop somebody
1: it. like teach him how to stay on the court, literally yeah. anywhere in the half court on offense would be a would be a good start. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. But the drop off is pretty stark there in terms of guys that they still yeah. have on um, roster. Alec Burks was their next best now at sixty first percentile last season in defensive EPM. Hmm. Guess who was? But the they're going to trade
1: him, so that's fine. Guess who was the lowest? Ah, uh, man, there are so many. There's so many choices here. I'm going to guess, I don't know EPM as well as you, but I'm going to guess that centers get positive or negative credit equally on on far apart. So I'm going to go with James Wiseman. Correct. First percentile, Brandon. Ooh, that's pretty bad. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, they do seem to be moving to a spot where they're trying to go with either Wiseman or Bagley. Like, I don't think they're going to do both of them, but I I think you have two losing options there. Former number two picks. Are you surprised at all that Jaden Ivey is struggling defensively? Because
0: it's been a problem in preseason too.
1: Uh, no, I mean this, from a scouting perspective, that's just is not really a strength of his. Like he even at Purdue, there's a lot of good defenders around him. Like to to me, Jaden Ivey's projection is to if he's going to be good, is to be like just okay. Well, I'm the star guard on the team, and my job's not really to defend. It's fine. I'm going to do all the offensive stuff now. Like that's what he's supposed to be. So. I I feel like on the trajectory he's on right now, he's looking more towards like the sixth man sort of like gunner off the bench difference maker like third guard sort of role. And it's too early. It's too early to pigeonhole to that. But like again, a role where you're not we're not bringing Jordan Clarkson in, hoping and asking me like, hey man, how you defending today? Like that's that's not the point. Right. So my 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 question for you on the Pistons is both of us like Cade Cunningham and he looked really good at at select this summer, three weeks into the season. How good does Cade Cunningham have to look immediately for you to be like, oh no, I, I did not want this bet anymore?
0: I mean, his shooting percentage is the biggest thing. Yeah, like that he can he can improved in playmaking and defense and all of these things that make him him a better basketball player. But we're talking he was 14th. I'm not going to I'm going to think of last year because he was hurt. Um, the year before. Which is, you know, that's his rookie season, and guys often struggle in those seasons, so I'm trying to be... But but his
1: only real season.
0: Yeah, his only real season. He was 16th percentile at the rim, 34th percentile from mid-range, 27th percentile from three. Like, Hmm. he's got to figure out something that he's going to be efficient at. He has to be efficient somewhere on the floor in order for me to be... The, this is the Rockets fan comeback on Cade versus Jalen is what about Shade, What about Cade's shooting percentages? I love all the stuff that Cade does. I think the stuff that Cade does helps you win, but he, even last year in this limited game, his 12 games played 14th percentile at the rim, 50th percentile from mid range, eighth percentile from three. Yeah. first I mean,
1: preseason last year was terrible for him. Yeah. It's just, he's, He's gonna
0: have to get yeah. he's gonna have to make such strides in his shooting efficiency that it's not realistic for them to hit the over.
1: What's well, it, that was a tricky thing with scouting him because that was the huge, huge red flag for him coming into his one season at Oklahoma State was that he couldn't shoot at all. And then he just like started making threes like a bandit that year. And everyone was like, Oh, great. He learned how to shoot now. But like that's not how shooting goes. You on a sample of like 150 shots, we don't suddenly know that you magically are a good shooter and I think his free throws still were down, et cetera. So uh, to, to the Jalen Green truthers listening and, and happy to, to celebrate you, I would come back here with how about making your teammates better? How about that's the thing Cade does that Jalen Green doesn't do? Um, if if I told you Cade Cunningham made the all-star team this year, do you still take this bet?
0: No. I don't want the under if he's an all-star.
1: Okay. I think I'm still okay with it. I honestly think he'll be in the mix for all star and I still don't mind having the under here. Okay.
0: Let's go wrap it up for buckets for the central division. We'll be back to wrap up our win totals and division previews with the Atlantic division, all those monster teams. And you'll find out just how much love Brandon and I can give to the Boston Celtics. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. My thanks to our producers on the video side, putting this up on YouTube. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check out youtube.com slash the Action Network to catch video podcasts and our live shows. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys again. Till then, let's get buckets.